Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. It's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. I know you were listening to the coverage we had earlier on some mm-hmm. Canadians putting their hands up and saying, yes, I want to go to Ukraine and fight the Russians, mm-hmm. responding to the call from uh, President Zelensky. Come and fight in our international brigade. It, it prompted me to go upstairs to the upper rotunda in the legislature and check out a plaque up there which pays tribute to the, people, the Canadians who fought in the Mackenzie Papineau Battalion in the Spanish Civil War. Wow. And there's also a, a monument across the street in Confederation Square, which few people know about, which again commemorates the, about more than 1,500 Canadians who went to Spain and fought for the Republic against yeah. the fascists in 1937, 38, uh, yeah. 39. Uh, of the 1,500, about half of them were killed. They fought in a number of battles. Uh, many were members of the Communist Party of Canada back then. I mean, it was a different political atmosphere back then. Yeah. But again, this harkens back to uh, uh, another historical moment in Canada. It's, it's, I don't think we're going to see as many Canadians necessarily go over there. Also, the United States back then, they had the famous Abraham Lincoln Brigade, which wow. is about 3,000 Americans went and fought in the Spanish Civil War. Wow, that's amazing. And when, well, I remember Ernest Hemingway was driving an ambulance over there, I believe, in the Spanish Civil War, right? Uh, I think Hemingway? that was World War I. World oh, War I. Uh, okay. George Orwell, though, famously fought in the Spanish Civil War and wrote uh, Homage to Cal- Catalonia uh, about his experience. He was shot in the throat. Um, it was a, it, there was a, sort of a romanticism attached to it as well. Well, that, that's I, the other I thing. Fear that's what's going on right now. Well, you see, that's the thing. Like, you know, there's been a couple of young guys who, who received a lot of media attention in BC this week after they said they want to do this. Now, there's one guy in Vancouver who's on his way to mm-hmm. Ukraine right now. He's a Ukrainian guy, though, who's, who was living here. He says, look, my family's over there fighting. I'm going back to stand with them. I can understand that. But then you've got other young people saying, I just want to do the right thing and I'm going to respond to this, even though I've got like no military training. Yeah. And I was like, man, how would your mom feel about that? His mom, I'm going to Ukraine to join the war. Extremely dangerous. I mean, Russia, unfortunately, has a huge uh, military force there that dwarfs anything in its way. Uh, The West is sending arms and and armor to to Ukraine, but it's not going to match the Russian uh, military force. Yeah, it it really is amazing. Let's listen to... um, Okay, talking. Let's talk about some of the measures that are been taking uh, being taken at home. And this is like fast and furious developments this morning. Canada announcing more military aid, fast tracking Ukrainian refugees into Canada, revoking favored nation trading status for Russia. So there's a lot of developments on that. Also, going after these Russian oligarchs, seizing their assets if they have any in Canada. And BC wants to be in on that. Here's mm-hmm. BC Finance Minister Selena Robinson talking about going after Russian oligarchs. Have a listen. As a government, we have uh, we, we are continuing to to identify ways uh, to make our voices known uh, to, in the in the global world about uh, this uh, this incur- this illegal incursion into Ukraine. Last week, I asked staff to look into land ownership records related to Russian oligarchs, Mr. Speaker, Members, so that we can make answer, sure that, that we are doing everything that we can bring to bear on this uh, situation. Okay, so, so the she's, government, re- she's referring to legislation uh, the NDP brought in to uh, combat money laundering and dirty money in real estate. 
when it was brought in, no one envisioned it being used for this purpose. It was to go after, you know, uh, criminal activity or dirty money in real estate relating to money laundering. Now it's going to be used. It's it's a it's a transparency registry system. Uh, it's going to be used to find if there's any Russian oligarchs uh, holding real estate or significant financial assets in BC. But when asked yesterday about it, she said so far nothing's showing up. The RCMP are active on this. She told me in the in the hallway couple days ago, the RCMP have been asked to get involved in this, and the federal government is, is doing this right across Canada, but so far, no evidence in B.C. Okay, these Russian oligarchs like their mega yachts, and some countries are already seizing these yachts. So Germany has seized a Russian billionaire's yacht. Mm-hmm. France has seized a Russian oligarch's yacht. So, you know, countries around the world, United States saying they're going to do the well, same Christian, thing. Well, uh, Federal Finance Minister Krisha Freeland has said there's going to be more sanctions, and she yeah. seems to be suggesting that's where we're headed as well as seizing the assets of any oligarchs who have uh, presence in Canada. Well, let's listen to that. So that's the Federal Finance Minister Krisha Freeland here talking about the tracking down these Russian oligarchs if they have assets in Canada. Have a listen here. We are looking carefully at the holdings of all Russian oligarchs and Russian companies inside Canada. Uh, We're reviewing them, and everything is on the table. Okay, so maybe... You know, I I imagine if you have a if you're a Russian oligarch and you have a yacht, you'd prefer to be tied up in the Caribbean or somewhere. But right now you would. Uh, yeah. But it, again, pretty well. You look at the United Nations vote. There's so many countries have voted together to to basically blast Russia. You're seeing allies like never before. Countries that normally are totally opposed to each other are now joining together. So even the Caribbean might not be a safe haven for them. Okay, let's closer to home. Let's talk about sky-high gas prices. So once again, record-high gas prices being fueled by the conflict in Ukraine, largely. And mm-hmm. uh, this really is hurting people at a time when inflation's already up and people, a lot of people having tough time making ends meet right now. And yet here we go with these sky-high gas prices. Now, uh, John Horgan was asked about this, the premier, yesterday or the other day. And there are calls from some quarters to cut gas taxes to give people mm-hmm. a break at the pump. I don't think there's any way this government's going to cut taxes on gasoline. But he did have a suggestion for people who are hurting from high gas prices. Let's listen to what the Premier had to say here. Uh, we're going to look at whatever tools we can to make life more affordable. But I think British Columbians also understand that we have a sophisticated in our urban centers, sophisticated public transit systems that are options if prices become too unaffordable in the short term. Okay, so take the bus. <laughs> so, yeah, the BC Liberals... Take ju- the bus. BC Liberals have jumped on that comment uh, in question period yesterday as being tone deaf and out of touch. Uh, it's one thing to live in Vancouver where you've got, you know, or Metro Vancouver where you've got SkyTrain and, and rapid transit. Another thing if you live in uh, Princeton or Kelowna or, or the outer edges of Metro Vancouver where the transit system... Is nowhere nowhere near as uh, accessible as elsewhere. So that that comment's not going to go over well with a lot of people. <laughs> kind of laughed when I yeah. when I heard Horgan say that. It was one of these like the Horganisms. Horganism, Remember we talking yeah. about the Horganisms yeah. or take the bus. But they were asked, uh, and Energy Minister Bruce Ralston was asked yesterday, "What about the carbon tax, which yeah. is supposed to go up on April first, and uh, it's, it is now not the time to stand that down?" So far, no, they're not going there. They're, that that increase is mm. still going to occur, but that's that's still only a part of the taxation equation when it comes to price of gasoline. Uh, TransLink, for example, takes a huge that's a huge chunk out of your gas bill goes to TransLink. 
Right. Yeah, they've got a dedicated translate yep. tax there in Metro Vancouver. Okay, let's go back in the way back machine here for a minute. And I want to play this clip of John Horgan when he was in opposition and back when he opposed the carbon tax. Mm-hmm. And this is this is quite rich, actually, if you listen, listen to this here, because here he is now pointing a finger at the then liberal government and saying, hey, people are having a tough time out there. Do not raise the carbon tax on gasoline. Give people a break. Listen to what he had to say. This is going back a few years. John Horgan in opposition. Listen to this. And tell, tell people back in my constituency to get a pair what of running shoes, buy some compact fluorescents, and get oh. some weather stripping. Well, when the carbon tax kicks in, what, three years from now, it'll be seven cents a liter. What do you think, Honorable Speaker, the cost of uh, home heating fuel is going to be at that time? How are people in northern parts of British Columbia, people in uh, on the wild west coast where the winds blow and the, uh, and the uh, temperatures drop, what's the cost going to be to those people? Are they going to be able to catch a bus to, to come to uh, Victoria to buy some weather stripping? No, they're not. They're going to have to get in their car and pay for that as well. Uh, okay, so he was very concerned about the increased carbon tax on people who live in rural B.C. And said, so what are they going to do, take a bus? Now he's telling them to go take a bus if yeah. you can't afford the carbon tax. Remember, the NDP opposed the carbon tax when it was first introduced yeah. under Gordon Campbell. That, it, uh, Carol James was a leader at the time. They opposed it. They lost an election. They changed their position on the carbon tax. Yes. Now they're robust defenders of the carbon tax as it's part of the climate action strategy. Sure. So, I mean, p- policies do change. But I think on this one, uh, I think an argument could be made, given the, in the current context and the situation we find ourselves in, that the carbon tax increase on April 1st might be revisited. I wonder. I wonder, especially given the inflation that we're seeing right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this would be the first time that, that you know this government would and again it's would uh, do that. It's it, it hits uh, lower income people uh, disproportionately higher, right? Yeah. I mean, it's one thing if you earn a hundred thousand dollars a year, you can afford a two dollar a liter gasoline bill, but you can't if you're earning, if you're on social assistance or earning minimum wage. Baldry's beat. Keith Baldry is my guest. Lots of calls. 604-280-9898 is the number. Star 9898 in your cell. John in Richmond. Hi, John. Go ahead. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, just about the sales tax and the reason the government's giving that other provinces are doing it. It's like, let's see, Alberta is in charge of sales tax. Why don't we do that? Um, let's see. We pay the highest gas taxes in all of Canada. Why don't they cut our taxes like all the other provinces? Because uh, they need, because they need, mo- they need money. Every other province has private insurance. Why don't we? Why don't we do that? Only they pick and Not choose every province. when they, well, except for Saskatchewan. But so they pick and choose when they want to follow other provinces. They treat us like we're idiots. Like <laughs> your head to shake. <laughs> okay, we thank know what's going on here. Thank you for yeah. that. Well, I mean, governments of all stripes are starved for revenues. And Alberta is notoriously uh, an outlier when it comes to sales tax. They've refused to bring one in, which I think is uh, no other province adopts that position. But get used to it. Governments aren't going to be cutting taxes in the future. They're going to be raising taxes as they increasingly uh, become uh, revenue starved. And it's interesting. All provinces have moved away from income tax increases, and so they're looking to put their hand in your wallet in different ways. That's why fees and licenses continue to go up, renewals for things. It's never yeah. going to go down. It's always going to go up. Yeah, and this used car tax, though, it just seems a bit like I asked someone from government to come on today, and they declined to come on and defend this tax. And, you know, it says there's a line item right in the budget document that says this will affect 
primarily low and middle income earners yeah, right, right there in their own document. It doesn't, it doesn't uh, mesh with uh, NDP ideology. Yeah, for affordability. When it, com- when it comes to affordability. Although, you know, Horgan's come back on it every time. Anytime he's asked about taxes or carbon tax, he, he, his classic comeback on this now is, well, I canceled Kevin Falcon's bridge tolls. Mm-hmm. So that that's his comeback every time. I canceled the bridge tolls from the previous government. Mm-hmm. Rick and Delta... Hey, Rick. I was really surprised to hear Mr. Horgan say, you know, take the bus. I guess I wonder if in the future with inflation, when bread hits $5 a loaf, he'll be suggesting the unwashed should just eat cake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take the yeah bus. I think he re- he'll come to regret that comment. Uh, it doesn't really, uh, I don't reflect the situation a lot of people face when it comes I think to s- moving around, particularly Metro Vancouver. The bus... You know, if you don't live near a SkyTrain line, transit's not necessarily a great option. I've got friends and family who do who live in Vancouver not on a on a SkyTrain line. For example, going out to UBC in the morning if you're a student, if you're not on that bus at the, at, at the earliest point, that bus is going to go by you because it's absolutely jammed. I know I know yeah. uh, students who had to go east to catch the bus and then come west to go to UBC. <laughs> yeah, that's how crowded it can be. Yeah, take the bus. I, I sometimes I'm a little surprised sometimes at you know every politician makes mistakes and puts their foot in it sometimes. But you know he would have been fully briefed. You're, you're, look, you're going to be questioned about gas prices mm-hmm. here, so have your talking points ready. To, so to say, take the bus. Well, it was a bit surprising. Rob and Poco. Hi, Rob. Go ahead. Hey, I'm just uh, wondering the end game being everybody with electric cars. Where's uh, where the ga- where the taxes that are being collected for gas going to uh, come from? And one other thing, if they're going to tax cars at twelve percent, why don't they hit marketplace and all those other people? It's the same idea. Why aren't they collecting a second tax there? Okay, thank you for the call. Well, it's an interesting point about electric vehicles. Um, if it, if it suddenly at the end of the day greatly reduces gas consumption, that does have uh, financial implications for transit systems because the transit system is funded by and large through uh, taxation at the pump. Right. Well, I guess they'll just have to find another revenue source, like you said, like maybe like mobi- always, mobility pricing, perhaps. Well, you know, I wonder who's going to go first on that. I mean, the, yeah. the, the, taking the, the bridge tolls off in the 2013, uh, 2017 election was a masterstroke from the NDP, even though people like Andrew Weaver decried it as bad public policy. It may yes. have been bad public policy, but it was pretty good politics. It helped and the uh, same thing with mobility pricing. Well, it helped Horgan win an election, didn't it, did. it? Yeah. Okay. Let's go to Kelly on the line in Ladner. Hi, Kelly. Go ahead. Hi there. Um, I was just wondering about the Ukraine situation. What is the average uh, Russian, um, uh, re- per, you know, people that live there in general? What is their social media concern uh, uh, like? Uh, like are being are they being told the truth about? Yes. The, yeah. Yes, I well, mean. I mean, well, I mean, Russia is is putting out complete fiction when it comes to describing what's going on in the Ukraine. I mean, they're calling the Ukraines Nazis. Uh, you know, it's it's, uh, and they're controlling. They're also trying to control the means of uh, modes of communication, both in Russia and in Ukraine. That's why they not try to knock out that TV tower. Yeah, well, they also sh- they also shut down a Russian radio station, yep. one of the few kind of sort of liberal r- media outlets. Quasi independent. In, 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 uh, yeah. So I mean, you know, there's there's not a lot of free press going on in, in Russia right now. Practically zero. Simon and Mission. Hi, Simon. Hi. Hi. Uh, you know, inflation is a tax because it's the transfer of wealth from those who take on uh, to, to those who take on massive debt. Government benefits from inflation because now we have to pay not only higher taxes on that sale item, 
but higher income taxes to pay for it. So, you know, it's just the expansion of the money supply devalues their debt and screws anybody who's trying to be prudent and save. Okay, with 30 seconds. Well, I mean, inflation's a real, uh, a growing concern. Uh, and it's got direct implications for the BC government because they're entering into a year of contract negotiations with public sector unions. You can basically bet your bottom dollar that the unions are going to come to the table with inflation rate as their starting uh, wage yeah. increase, which is probably going to be around 5%.